Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, film fans. This is Beer, Bourbon, and a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 53. 53. This is our special Halloween episode where we're going to be talking about our favorite Halloween movies. I'm going to be talking about Night of the Living Dead. Tawana's going to be talking about Carrie. So, Tawana, what are we sipping on today? So... Keeping it all day pumpkin. Keeping it pumpkin. This is what I love. It's fall season, y'all. It's fall season. And so I try to find all these great reviews on pumpkin beers because this is the only thing pumpkin I like. Mm. So, um, and I love beer. And, of course. So I really try to, like, look into something that's pretty good. And so I am a big fan of UFO. Uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts, and Windsor, well, I'm sorry, Windsor, Vermont. Um, they brew both. It's, I believe it's employee-owned. Yeah, it's employee-owned. Uh, so anyway, I really love a good Hefeweizen. Who doesn't know I love a good Hefe? Exactly, nobody. You haven't Everybody been knows. listening to this show. Right. <laughs> I love a good Hefeweizen. One day I'm going to go to Germany. I'm going to sit and have me a good half We're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're gonna Let's go to, do it. We're going to go to Oktoberfest. Yes. And we're going to do it right. And I'll drink beer all day with you. Yes, yes. We will get fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm in. <laughs> have lots of uh, wiener schnitzels. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and all of the great pretzels and hard ground mustard. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, Lederhosen. Sauerkraut. All the stuff coming out of it. Hey! Kevin. Hello. Welcome, Welcome back. back, Kevin. I'm back. Stepping in for uh, the wayward Alex. Yo, who just got married this week, y'all. And yes, Congratulations to him and Jen. He's not a bum. He's he has been doing a lot of things with his marriage yes, situation. He, he's a married man Preparing now. And, himself. Um, we're excited for him and Jen and, and look forward to the big wedding in uh, April. So uh, congratulations to you guys. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. There you go. Yeah. Good luck with that. Anyway, um, moving on. I mean, I love marriage when I find someone that gives a shit. You will. Um, But anyway, (laughs) so what I really like about UFO is that they do a great American Hefeweizen. So this is basically a Hefeweizen brewed with pumpkin. um, And it's, it's, it's the perfect, to quote an article I quoted last week by A.C. Shelton, uh, the article's in Outside uh, Magazine online. It's six pumpkin beers every skeptic will love. So to quote her, it is the perfect antidote for summer days that linger past their welcome. But when you feel like fall should be here, you can definitely sweat it out with this in a pair of flannels. I love the earthiness wow. of it. <laughs> if that's not gay, tell me what it's not you lesbian about that. on that. <laughs> But anyway, so I, I really love it. It's very yeasty. It's very earthy. Um, it's got this perfect uh, uh, air of refreshment about it. I really, it's not overly spiced. It's very tasty. The color is amazing. It's got this really beautiful, like, uh, earthy orange that sort of 
uh, goes down to this nice pail. And so if you have this, please remember it is a Hefeweizen, so you need to take almost all of the beer out of the can or bottle, whichever you prefer. I'm drinking out of a can today. And once you get to closer to the end, you want to swill the bottle or the can and then pour it into the glass so that all of the essence forms at the top. And this way you can really taste the Hefeweizen and the pumpkin perfectly together. So, Vaughn. Nice. Now that I've fully orgasmed off this. You um, certainly did. I'm, UFO I'm, pumpkin. I'm, I'm here with you on your UFO pumpkin. <laughs> um, Please, what are you having? For me, everybody, I'm drinking um, Eagle Rare today. It's a Kentucky uh, straight bourbon out of uh, Frankfort, Kentucky. They're part of the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Um, it's been around, like I said, it's been around since 1975. Really good. It's It's got this whole lore about Americana because there's an eagle on the front of the bottle. Okay, cute. The bottle's nice, real funky. Like the bottle. This whole lore about the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness on the bottle is cute, but it's a good drink. I like it a lot. It's been aged 10 years, and I can appreciate that because it, it feels full-bodied and aged, and it's, it's a beautiful copper color. Um, it's 90 proof, so don't get don't play yourself because... Yeah. Don't you know, get you, twisted. You just got to sip it in the right way. It would be or you'll great. you'll get twisted. Definitely. It will be great <laughs> in a Manhattan. It would be fantastic in a um, whiskey sour. Um, even um, an old-fashioned, but you just got to be careful. There's a lot of there's a lot of mash in here. But it, it's good. I, I like it a lot, and, and I would recommend it. And I see why it runs off the, the shelves in, in the stores. But uh, it's something to try. Like I said, I, tr- I like to try different varieties of bourbon for everybody. But um, I would definitely enjoy it. You know, I don't have a long story of flannel like Tawana, but, you know, it's a good <laughs> bourbon. And like I said, I'd have it in a cocktail. And today I'm sipping it neat. Right. Sounds tasty. So it was good. It, you like it? Look. It you was like okay. It? See, I've Tawana's been, becoming a, a bourbon enthusiast, too. I have too. become a fucking bourbon lover. Yeah, I'm liking it. And it will be like, you know, I'll be at a bar and I won't be into a beer. I'll be like, mm. This feels a little cocktail-like. Right, you need a little and something. I'll order a cocktail confidently. Yes, yes. Ooh, Ooh. We like that. I'm we a like whole that. woman. Like Ooh. I said, you are. And, Even and like though I said, I'm an old with bitch, this one, I'm an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. But uh, one thing, one thing about this oaky richness, I think that you know, it's it's less caramel and less vanilla. It's more oaky in this in this way. Yeah, I I prefer more caramel and more vanilla. Little, you look a little bit. Those are my little superpowers. Bit yeah. This is a little bit spicier. I, this is a bit spicier, but it's tasty. It's not bad. It will get you rocked because I can tell that from the second I sipped on it. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. So let's um, what do we got here? Industry, industry news? news. Yes. Let's move on to industry news. Okay, so um, for me, a couple things that um were sort of highlighted for me during the week. They announced that Dolomite. Oh yeah, on Netflix. On Netflix with uh, Eddie Murphy is an Oscar contender. Wow. So congrats to him. I need to really check that out been released in the theaters and then you know Netflix's thing they release and then they put it on so they can be contenders interested in that excited for Irishman too yeah I'm looking are forward they, to it too. are they releasing it standardly in theatrical or are they doing their whole it, it had already been released uh, I think a couple weeks ago if okay. not a little more okay um and I think traditionally the theaters want about a three-month commitment right but Netflix recently got into trouble with them because they had a they asked for a one and a half month commitment right 
And they were like, how can we make money off of this? And yeah. so it was a whole thing about how they would show this in Broadway theaters. And now Vaughn was telling me uh, last week that now they've, they're going to reopen the Paris they're just screen to screen it. Yeah, Paris. There, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, going through the trouble of showing it in a Broadway, you know, in a theater house is going to be problematic. You've got to pull out uh, screens, uh, yeah. sound equipment, you know. And and I don't know if you've ever seen a movie in a Broadway theater. They've never. It's oh, never, it's, ever. They sound horrible. Yeah, they sound horrible. I can't so. even imagine what it was. <laughs> it just I would not even <laughs> want you. to. Bless you. The acoustics have to be horrible for that. Yeah. But anyway, the Paris is a great... One of the last bastions of hope. <laughs> yeah, I was really actually happy to hear that Netflix right. was was taking over the Paris because I know it was a great loss to the city. Such a mm-hmm. loss. Yeah. Because we had the Paris. Oh, God. I'm going to forget. There was one in Times Square that was amazing. Esther oh, Plaza. Yeah. There was, oh, yeah. That um, was amazing. And there was one more. Uh, Ziegfeld? The Ziegfeld. Yeah, right. The, the Ziegfeld. Ziegfeld. So we've lost quite a few. And I really yeah. wish they could at least stay this is just one. Well, we lost. Ziegfeld was actually home to a lot of like New York City premieres. Like yeah. it was the main theater right. where you would premiere theaters. a film at. Yeah. And when it closed, like I'd seen a ton of premieres there. So, so was yeah, Astor Plaza. Too. I've yeah. gone to a ton of premieres there too. Yeah. Uh, what are you gonna do? The end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me as a as a cinephile, a true cinephile, fuck this filmmaking shit. That's the end of the world for film. Like, come on. Why are we getting rid of these things? I know that I know it's all about financing and profitability and all those things. But I mean, we have to keep some sense of formality about this art. Right. You know, we 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 should. I mean, we can't all just keep going AMC or Regal or whatever the chains, right. you know. No, but that's also part and parcel of the consolidation of all media though, too. I guess I mean, so. Yeah. You know, the idea that a few chains have to deal with it and then, you know, they have the ability to shut someone like Netflix out. Right. Or someone like Steven Spielberg has the ability to shut them out of, you know, the Academy Awards, basically saying mm, your your he's film a, doesn't qualify. Your film doesn't qualify, but now I'm going to go make shit for Apple. Aren't you streaming now? I That was my biggest thing. It was like, oh, so are you not going to you, right, submit your work for? Right, because that was what he was doing, basically, saying, fuck, fuck Netflix. And then suddenly, voila. Oh, wait, I'm a part yeah. of Apple streaming service. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Is that not the same? Media? Yeah. Is that this not the same device? Right. Is exactly. that this not the same? Exactly. No, it Wheelhouse? Is. Yeah. So you're an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Um, get over your daddy issues. Anyway, wow. <laughs> you're still like 75 years old thinking oh. about your daddy. He's long gone. Okay, Tawana. move forward. Be a daddy and your kids. Anyway, okay. <laughs> anyway, other industry <laughs> news. <laughs> Sorry, y'all know I don't really give a fuck. Wow. But um, Tawana's way off on a tangent. Tonight. I mean, sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say. You know? Yes, you go like you did. I mean, like you did last episode. Yes, I did. And, you know, it's, it's it's about to be a new. Speak moon. your mind, girl. In Libra and yes. all you astrology buffs, no, you know it's 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 not the time to the shy. This is all about justice, right? That, now. That's it, Tawana. You're never gonna work for Stillman's people. No. Oh, big surprise! Like, I was never going to anyway. Right, yeah. <laughs> so sad about that one. Bye, girl. Oh, I missed out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, take. You have more news for us? Yes, because <laughs> I was gonna keep going. Thank I you know for you stopping were. me. Thank you. Um, there is also another really interesting project that's been released called Horror Noir which is a history of black horror, and it's released on Shutter TV on their new streaming service. Mm. Um, that might be worth even getting a month of uh, <laughs> a month of Shutter. I don't know how that works. Well, yeah, that. you can. there is a way to do it. I'm going to do it because yeah. I want to watch that. Yeah, so so it, there was also a, um, a book by the same name, 
Okay. Um, a historical book and nonfiction. I'm sorry. And so, um, the Root recently had a little because I follow the Root on YouTube, and they recently had a little piece on there. Uh, titled The Complicated History of Blackness in Horror, in which yeah. they interviewed the executive producers of this. I will pull up the link, because I think it's a really interesting little piece. It's like eight minutes long. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really important in terms of um, black cinema and our um, our part in history and how this is essentially um, a part of white supremacy. Right. Black people in horror and how uh, representation matters and how uh, Peel and uh, oh god I'm so sorry I, miss, I forget her name I think her first name is Nina she's going to be redoing um, the Candyman series mm-hmm. um, and there's working a, with Jordan Peel working with Jordan Peel and there's a few uh, there's a couple others besides Jordan Peel but this is based, essentially called the Peel effect is what I heard okay is that it, it's turning us into a reality until like we exist and we can survive and we're so adaptable in life why wouldn't we survive a fucking horror movie right you know what i mean because that was there was i think i read a, that article too this week because i i, I read the route to another right, sources right, right. and i was uh it was talking about why black people die in, in the movie mm-hmm. in the horror movie so it's, it's a very complicated it's, it's a very complicated history and essentially it starts with birth of a nation mm-hmm. where we are Absolutely. where we are villainized in that right and yep. that is our horror movie yeah you know what i mean and so and it goes on it's very interesting so that little eight minute piece that the root did was blew my mind so i was like oh i gotta see this now yeah if you ever get a chance linda williams who was the chair of the film department at uc berkeley actually wrote this really great essay about birth of a nation and how the tropes that were established in birth of a nation still persist in media today Mm. and how with um as problematic as it is uncle tom's cabin had actually started to change minds Right. And get the white audience to actually empathize with black characters. Right. All of a sudden, Birth of a Nation comes along and it ruins, ruins it. it, and just totally turns it on its head, and mm-hmm. then gives us the 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 rape tropes that we have today, right. the fear tropes that we have today, the virginity, all of that all nonsense of that still persists today right. comes well, out of Birth of a Nation. Well, send me a link because I'll post it on the on the show notes. Okay. Yeah, and I'll share it in uh, the Facebook. Yeah, and, and then I'll share that. it with him. He can share it, and then we'll post that. We'll post the the link for um for the root our uh, piece on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. pretty cool. So Vaughn, wow, what do you got? Okay, well, I'm gonna correct this real quick. <laughs> as Tawana opens another beer, yes. um, in in industry news, uh, the Joker has just become the the number one R rated movie ever. It knocked uh, Deadpool off its perch. With eight hundred million dollars, and by the way, Tawana, we were just talking about this before it started. Mm-hmm. I just pulled this up. The Joker has knocked Maleficent off the top. Oh, it did because initially it, it already did it. It just knocked her off. They just made five point six, five point four six million dollars. Wow! Because when she yesterday. showed up on Friday or yeah. Thursday, probably yeah, um, she knocked him off. But I guess and they, and you can't they, beat the kids. And they barreled back. <laughs> they barreled back. They barreled back. Rated and, R is and literally, at. they made, like I said, $5.46 million on Friday. So they're it's just a machine that keeps going. So uh, shout out to Joaquin and, and your great performance. Uh, that movie's just going to keep happening. I'm sure. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that we talk about, you know, what what's happening in streaming and in and, and, and all these movies. I think that we're going to see so many things that are going to change because Disney's already started to take a lot of the Fox properties and and put them in a vault 
So it's like they're going to hold on to certain things and you're not going to be course. able to, to access them unless you're accessing them through their streaming services and so on and so forth. So just I, people need to keep an eye out on, on the things that they're trying to watch and the films and, and things that they're trying to look for because content is a commodity for sure. And, um, you know, you got to look at these heavy hitters, Amazon, Netflix, right. Disney. I mean, these I people think are making big inroads. We were talking about this before and... Um, so I've been doing some research on Netflix, and Netflix is actually bouncing back. They've had a, a few new um, technical things they've been doing. Their their stock has been rising. I think that the 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 heavy hitters are always going to stay, right? So let's let's equate them to food, right? Let's say like Burger King, McDonald's, uh, whatever other fucking burger spot you can think of. Let's be Popeyes, right? Chicken, Ooh, right? Popeyes. In terms of chicken. chicken, yeah, I'm getting that actually after this. I um, <laughs> I just had it last night. But Great. so good. You know, right? Okay. It's so good. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, uh, equate this to food. This was probably a bad idea. You Now you got Smash Burger, right? And Shake Shack and all those guys. Yes, they pop up. And yes, people go to them. But people always go to the stalwarts, right? They always mm-hmm. go to the baguette. The, 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 the daddies. <laughs> Click. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I said daddies. But anyway, um, so I, I feel like, in a sense, this is essentially what's going to happen here. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu are always going to be the mainstays. Yeah. And you know, all these little streaming services popping up on all these other sites, that's fine. And some of them aren't even expensive. They're like $5. Do it for a month. Like we were just saying about Shudder. Mm-hmm. You know, see something you want to see, and then knock it off after the month is over. I think this is essentially what's going to happen. Yeah. It's really hard so to many, knock these guys down. Right, and there's so many players in the game now. Where, do you, where do you these, start? Where these do you guys stop? have been, had a foothold deep in the ground for a long time, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're move, They're they're I- immovable, to be honest. Yes, people will come in and sort of, uh, in a sense, dull their shine, but I don't think, I think essentially people are going to figure out what they want and go from that. Like it's Like, like look at what Sling, Philo, you're gonna pick what you want. I, I, I fuck with Philo for a month. Didn't have everything I needed, went to Sling. Doesn't necessarily mean that Philo won't get something and I won't go back. So it's just like, it's essentially, that's what's happening there. Right, it's and the, I have I have multiples. I have Voodoo, I have yeah, Amazon you have a Prime. Lot of guys. Right. You know, because I'm always looking for different kinds of things and different kind of movie content. So right. I'm always looking in, in different places. And you know, I think there's gonna be room for people. Absolutely. Because I could actually see uh, an, an era where you're gonna have black movie content and and black films that, that and would so be on a great so forth because that's that's gonna come and and you know I, I'm looking forward to that um, Latin and so on Asian mm-hmm. so on and so forth there's uh, there's always gonna be room because people are trying to facilitate all this content for everybody right. they can be a totally women driven film yeah. role world and so I think that you know the the world is opening up in that way and, and the digital technology is making it accessible for right. so many and, people. Right, and and cable is is becoming less and less an option right. for a lot of people. So, from a in, financial perspective. from a financial perspective, but also from a, a content perspective. Right, I don't want to pay two hundred hundred fifty dollars a month for stuff I don't want or need. Right, you know, I can mindlessly search on Sling or right. Fila or some 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 sort of TV streaming service and right. and do that. And that's literally twenty dollars a month, if not uh, at, at at the starting rate. So for sure, yeah. so this the the feeling I always have though when we start having that conversation about narrowing down and specializing media and media channels mm-hmm. is at at what cost is that to the mainstream media channel? And right. 
when you have like the black Netflix, like all of a sudden our studios thinking, oh, we can pour the money into that and we mm-hmm. don't have to diversify the content that everyone has access to. Right. right. And I think no, that I agree that there's a dangerous. I agree. There's a, there's dangerous, a dangerous slippery slope, there. but I, I think you're in no danger. You're in no danger of uh, of fucking with a black Netflix. <laughs> Amer- America don't give a fuck that much. Wow. Okay. Okay, okay America. That's fair. You, I'm just the, saying. They're, they're, the Tawana has laid down the gauntlet. The we challenge are, is out. We are necessary. It is necessary, but the thing is, is it has to sell. Yeah. And I think they always think we don't buy it. Which we is won't, we which, won't buy it. Which, you know what I mean? It's so ridiculous, though. I mean, it's just like I mean, what the Joker proves with the rated R film making that much money, and what Deadpool proved is that there's money. Adults like going to movies. They yeah. do. Shocker. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and they pay. And they pay. Like, and, and they pay. Yeah. And, and considering we're doing all of that while having all this access streaming wise, right. we could literally stay at home and watch a million things. Right. But we're choosing to leave our homes well, and right. do these so, things. Yeah. So people who love films, like cinephiles like us, you know, going to a movie is an experience. It's it's a show. It's a night, essentially. You know what I mean? Right. And you could take a date or go with yourself or go with your friends, do whatever you want to do. But yeah. for me, I really, really like going to a movie. I'm probably going to go after this. So it's just like... It's it's something. It, it's also an escape for some people. You know, yeah. you're going out. It's separate from your home. You know, I think those who are sort of like also like pining to just watch things at home are of a different generation too. I think. Well, I, think I, I don't see a lot of millennials dying to go to movies. No, but I think there's also. Well, maybe young. I mean, because I, I deal with this like Z's. in in my other creative pursuit, which is photography, a lot too. Though, but I think that the pendulum sort of swings, okay. right? And so I think there's a, a very extreme of like going strictly towards the idea of you can watch anything anytime, you can right. whatever. But I think there there does come a point in time where it comes back a little bit more to the middle and right, people right, right. rediscover the theatrical experience right. and they yeah. rediscover those things. And it's not necessarily right. the death of anything. Right. It's just when you have all the options to choose from, you know, used to have, you know, the pie used to be, cut up in four different slices right. now it's 20 different slices right. right and it's you know but there's still the pie well, and, and you I, know what's, yeah. what's, what's, what's interesting about it the, the impact is being felt in broadcast television yeah. because there's so many other outlets and opportunities to, to view content streaming wise people aren't watching broadcast television the way they used to be because no. remember if you really think about it back in the day it used to only be three channels yeah well, abc yeah. cbs and nbc yeah. that was it yeah. then you started getting the upns and the cws and the fox, wbs WPX. fox and all that but that took a long time to happen yeah you know and, and when you really think about it we used to literally only get our news and information from walter cronkite yeah. at cbs for many many decades so if you really that that says something within itself but they're feeling the crunch of this content creation well i guess that's why they're joining platforms like sling because nbc and fox is on sling right yeah so i mean they're making well, themselves but how long will fox be on sling though with because of disney I, well, I think it's fine. No, I, I read they that. Came back I read that. They were that's gone separate. for a minute. Yeah, I read they that they, back, they've decided that's okay, going to be completely separate, and they're going to keep it that way. Okay, good. Because it, it that's more broadcast, and so they figured it wasn't. Because they're on Hulu. They're right. owners of Hulu. They're on Hulu. Too. So yeah. um, also, being on um, apps like Sling allows them to be on demand. So if you miss, usually you miss someone on TV, you miss it unless you have DVR. Yeah. But right. this allows them to be on demand so people can still watch their broadcast Correct. And shows. I'm glad that 
Fox came back to Sling because they were gone for a couple of weeks and now they're back and now I get to catch up on all my shows on, on Fox that I couldn't watch before. Right. So, so you know, it, it works out because I watch TV when I want to watch it, not when it's happening. In right, time. right, because we have lives. Yeah. Well, time shifting <laughs> is huge. I mean, that was probably one of the most fundamental things to change television. Absolutely. People did a time shift. Well, you want to talk about these movies a little bit? Because I'm really just jumping sure, into these sure. thrillers. So, um, so my film was okay. Carrie. And so Carrie is really important to me, and I'll tell you why. Okay, let's do it. I'm a huge far horror fan, for yes, one. Yes, you are. Huge. This is Tawana's favorite time of year, This folks. is my favorite time of year. Not only because it's pumpkin, but because we scare the shit out of ourselves safely. Because uh-huh. um, <laughs> I don't go into haunted houses. I don't do seances. I don't like any of that shit. I just love horror movies because they're safe and right. easy to scare me. Got it. I don't want to punch someone in the face in a fucking horror house and like <laughs> just off reflux. Wow. You know, like, sorry. <laughs> gotcha. um, I'm that person that has to sign the waiver. So, <laughs> so I love a good horror film. Okay. And so I'll tell you a little bit. So initially when I was a kid, um, I was not allowed to watch horror films because my dad somehow found out that I I was frightened of those things. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, they had the lights on. I don't remember how. Yeah, I had to have night lights closet. and stuff like that when I was sleeping. Got it. And so my dad put out a series banned, no horror films for Tawana. Unfortunately, he left me in the hands of an un, um, of a very bad babysitter one night. Got it. And so I and a couple of friends and cousins were, during Halloween season, were left with her, and she watched WPIX in New York would have a series of films three in a row and so one of them there were three horrors and we just happened to sit in on Carrie and so I watched Carrie beginning to end and literally ruined my dad's life for two weeks because (laughs) a nightlight wasn't good enough then a lamp wasn't good enough then he had to bring a living room lamp into my room and separate me from the wall (laughs) to plug it in just so I could see that nothing was under my bed it was a it was a tragedy. <laughs> Needless to say, I was banned from horror films for quite a while until he thought I was not, I was able to uh, brave through one of like Friday Thirteenth's films during one Halloween night. Got it. Needless to say, Carrie holds a special place in my heart, and so that's why I picked it today. So if, for all of you who don't know what Carrie is, Carrie is seventies film from nineteen seventy six. Um, starring the great Sissy Spacek. And I say great because Sissy has been in quite a number of films. And she's still working. And she's still working. You know, like In My Bedroom, Carrie, Coal Miner's Daughter, The Help, uh, Homecoming. She's doing like Castle Rock and Bloodline right now. Uh, but she's also been in so many other films. There's another one I'm thinking of. Uh, she was in American Haunting, you know. But she was in, oh, what was the, anyway, whatever. Google her. A she lot comes of movies. Up. She was in a lot of stuff. JFK. Um, solid actress. Solid, solid actress. Mm-hmm. Marie, missing. And she wasn't. She she's not acting to be a superstar. She's acting to be an Badlands. actor. Badlands. That was the yes. one I was trying to remember. Badlands, mm-hmm. which essentially is a uh, you know. She's a, incredible. A fantastic movie with Martin Sheen. Anyway, so it's Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, Amy Irving, um, John Travolta. Uh, on and on and on. Nancy Allen, uh, Betty Buckley, on and on and on. All these great actors that have come after them. Um, directed by Brian De Palma of Scarface fame for yes. you ignorant folks that only know Scarface by Brian De Palma. Um, he did more movies than that. 
pay attention. Yeah, like my favorite movie, pay attention. To Kill. Yes, pay attention. <laughs> he is a great filmmaker yes, and has done is. so many things. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. We'll scare the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, based on a novel by Stephen King, the great, uh, one of the great, greatest filmmakers. I mean, well, I guess he's a filmmaker. So one of the greatest writers mm-hmm. that has ever penned a horror. <laughs> right. um, so basically, this is basically Sissy SpaceX blood-drenched teen horror flick, right? Which essentially made um, it even more terrifying to go to high school in the 70s. Right. Uh, the film follows this young girl suffering under the abuse of her religiously devout mother and being bullied by the more popular kids at school. She has uh, so many embarrassing moments, unfortunately, um, uh, from getting her period to, to um, uh, tension-filled fights with her mom, um, uh, just being unleashed on so many ridiculous things that pretty much unleashed her supernatural abilities. Okay. This spoils nothing. This is all in the trailer. Yeah, for sure. And you right. know what? And that, so, hold on one second. And so, eventually, good old mom thinks that these powers are evil and that she's the devil themselves. And Carrie decides to use them to um, sort of exact vengeance that she has uh, long been due. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what Carrie is. What were you going to say about? You know the thing about Carrie, and, and I actually read the book. That's a Stephen King. Mm-hmm story and Stephen King novel. my aunt used to my aunt died she used to read a lot of Stephen King uh mm. books and love Stephen King that was one of the ones she used to read and and I just kind of and I wasn't supposed to whether was it for was my it for age, children my t- exactly, exactly. I, was, I was stupid and I actually tried to read this book and, scared I, like, shit out of yourself? and I scared myself <laughs> it's like and I didn't really understand you know I, I was very you, you know, you feel sad for Carrie because she's she's victimized by the circumstances. She's a of her heroine life. of sorts. She is in the film. She is. She um, and she just she took she's she a, took her power. She's essentially every bullied kid that we hear about yep. in, in mass shootings yep. now. She is that she that is. just felt like she was pushed to the limit and had no choice. And you know what I think? I think the limit. People don't understand what the limit is. The Joker was about the limit too. Mm-hmm. Everybody, when you get to that limit, there is something that. That's something that changes There's in your a switch. mind. There's it a switch. switches, it either yeah. switches off or it switches on. Oh, it but switches off. Either way, <laughs> either way, you get to that point. And I was, I just remember as I watched the film because I was, it was frightening. Yes, in, it was frightening. In how it played out because, but it was really, if you really think about, it, and Stephen King does this well, it's normal situations, day to day life, right? That just he turns upside down. You know right. what I mean? And and. You just kind of like, well. Uh, a bit like Hitchcock making it unsafe to shower. Right. <laughs> it's like making it unsafe to right. go to prom. You know, and, and she so just like, was, yeah. just that prom, that whole prom sequence That prom was scene incredible. was amazing. First of all, let's give it up to Brian De Palma and all that they did in terms of creating this film. There was a number of, uh, uh, actually, I, I want to tell you who the cinematographer was because I don't actually know. Um, Isidore Mankowski. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Uh, he did like the arrival, the Muppet movie, few <laughs> other films that don't like everything is everywhere for him. But anyway, <laughs> Brian De Palmer, amazing uh, director, and and what I think what was really amazing is they put you in this place where there are these ethereal moments where things seem so pure, and they play this same orchestral song about the mm-hmm. whole movie but they change it so it starts off flute like 
right. and soft and virginal and sweet and 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 running through leaves and 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 dil- daffodils and a sweet like field and then it's like dan 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 and like <laughs> the violins come in and 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 it gets really sharp and um right then everything just becomes horribly ruined by some traumatic event okay right and they're just jarring. But it's not only jarring for Carrie, we've become affected with it as well. Right. And so it's kind of like, you know, they do, they do all these amazing, like, sort of... Today, actually, it would probably be offensive because he does these really oblique shots of her in the shower, you know, um, and it looks almost orgasmic, the shower, and then it becomes, like, traumatic. And... You well, know, all I, I I just remember the the bathtub scene when she's washing all the blood. Like, I, that's well, that's the, scene the end. That that's towards the end. To but after she's killed everybody at the prom. <laughs> right, right, right. But so, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, this movie's from 1976. Get with it. One of my coworkers can, is going to watch it tonight. Watch she it literally tonight. Just said we're she's actually never seen it. we're actually not really spoiling it for you because it, the way it unfolds, it's still it's crafted so well. I also think that once a film has become such a cultural right. icon, you like can spoil if you it. don't know that right. what happens at the Carrie prom, right. then this, I, I don't right, know what to pe- do with pe- you. Pe- my friend is going as Carrie this weekend for her Halloween party. Yeah. So if you don't know what happened yeah, to no Carrie, happen. and not to mention, there's been there's this been, movie's over for, over forty years old. There's already been two reboots, uh, and right. it's been quoted how many times? Right. And this like movie's it, yeah. over forty years old. Yeah, so it's like. Mm. You know, but anyway, the boat sinks. Yeah, the boat sinks. We all know what happens. But, you know, there's some really interesting things that I think that they were doing in terms of cinematography that I think people weren't aware of. It was a lot of slow dollies, intimate shots. These is simple, almost. I I mentioned this before, simple, almost um, erotic enjoyment of a shower that somehow trauma ensues by the end of it. Um, uh, I really like in terms of like the juxtaposition of the angles of the shots. So there were a lot of snail shots. Snail eye view is when you're taking a shot from the from the ground up. So there was a lot of shots in where Carrie's mom would stand over her in a domineering position because uh, she would quote scripture and demand you know subserviency to her you know. And so there it was really interesting because the lighting in it would be would be very guided towards religion so in one part when carrie gets her period she comes home and it's it's reported to her mother man mother slaps her with the bible and she's down on her knees and so her mom is preaching to her so behind her mom's head is a reflection of the light coming through the window so it's this nice nice little square box you know just just a little light from the window but it also surrounds her head like a halo so essentially whether they know it or not, they're promoting her as, you know, a mission, a uh, prophecy, uh, what's the word, uh, a prophet of God, right? Mm-hmm. So she's, she's, she's and, and if you look at the film throughout the entire film, Piper Laurie, who plays her mother's hair, is highlighted every fucking time. You see this woman. She has this sort of, like, orangey, gingerish, like, curly hair, little wiry, and um, it's always full of light. But Carrie's hair is never lit, so it's like, you are, are are we supposed to believe that she is godlike? You know, they 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 allude to all these possible readings in the film. Well, it's also because of her religious rantings that well, right. she's going through the old time. Well, right. So right. So she's supposed to be like some sort of prophet of God, right? So they have like these great low lit shots, right, all throughout Carrie's house throughout the entire film, and especially in her prayer closet. 
where it's a lot of times the fact that you have to have a prayer closet says a lot says a lot about who you are nut crazy asses poor carrie um and it's like a real it's like a tiny little shell of a closet but you know it's it's definitely shot from above i called it the torture chamber it's definitely shot from above and so it's like maybe the view of god Mm -hmm. plenty of split screen so this is one thing i need to mention is that um, they perfected this shot, this sort of split screen shot, where both the foreground and the background are in focus. Mm-hmm. Um, quite honestly, your eye couldn't do that. You couldn't look at somebody in your foreground and really see everything clearly in the background. And so in this shot, they used two cameras and blended them together uh, during the editing process mm-hmm. to blur everything out on the, cir- on the c- circumference, but only those two subjects were really focused in the shot. So it's really brilliant in terms of doing that. Also, um, the music, like I was saying, set really serious tones and moods uh, for the film, taking us from this sort of fantastical dream life world where they have this like sweet song to the sort of like very insidious um, life and then back again to the dream world. It's really interesting how they play with the music and how they play with the with the imagery of the film. So check it out and give it a look because it is absolutely one of my favorite horror films and get ready for the jolt at the end. Because that's what kept me up for two weeks. <laughs> and she's still afraid of it, everybody. I, so I everybody did jump knows. this morning when I rewatched it. <laughs> if now I knew it was coming. So what do you got, Vaughn? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, uh, which was released in October October 1st of 1968. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film, and I'll just read you the synopsis, the dead come back to life and eat the living. Several people barricade themselves inside a rural house in an attempt to survive the night. Outside, there are hordes of relentless, uh, shambling zombies who come only to <laughs> only to kill, and uh, the only way to kill them is to, to blow off their heads. Blow off their heads. So the thing about... Everybody knows about the zombies now. The beauty of, the beauty <laughs> of this film, this film has a lot of different cultural undertones to it. Definitely. First of all, it was released in 1968, and it was during the Vietnam War. There was a lot of, there's a lot of talk in relationship to the Vietnam War yeah, in this film. A lot of film. political undertones. There's a lot of political undertones with this. But what spoke to me was the civil rights movement that was right. also happening during this time and the fact that you had a black lead actor. Absolutely. And that was not done before. No, since, ever. Not since Sidney Poitier. Right. And the thing about it, it was a horror film. And I was reading certain articles that talked about this film, and you know they all the, the actor's name is Dwayne Jones, and uh, he's been in a few films, and I'll, I'll talk about those later. But there were articles that talked about him, and they 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 spoke about him as a distinguished, mm. educated Negro. Of course. And I was like, always okay. gotta be the Negro. Okay, they, but they, they separated <laughs> him out. You well, know, they, he, he they was, separated him out. He was the Obama of his son. Right. And, and you know, they, they made clear <laughs> that he was the sophisticated, distinguished. He wasn't Shaft. Educated Negro. Right. Right. And <laughs> throughout the film, throughout the film, there was always him. He One, it was in black and white. Of course. And it just was, it was stunning in that way, but it was also frightening because right. the light was harsh on yeah. them all the time. Always. And there was these dark, moments these dark shadows and then it was this weird bright light 
on everybody. Right. But the way the the light handled him right. was it was it was interesting. I wish there was more about how they shot him because it's 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 different when you shoot black people versus of course white people. And I need I need white people to understand. Right. Light light doesn't a we absorb light. Right. So you can't light us with the same light you would light a person of a fairer complexion. Right. And it just it was just so. You know, he stood out to me. What what spoke to me? Because this movie, for me, I saw this movie the first time when I was in college. Right. And um, I used to program. I used to work with the student union, and we used to program movies. And they used to show this movie all the time. And uh, I had never seen it up until then. But I thought, okay, this is a cool horror movie. But the fact that the black man literally was the lead. Even he was though the heroine, too. He, right, he was the hero. He was the hero in the film. He was, yes, the hero. he was the hero in the film to a certain extent. But they always talk about Barbara because the the Barbara wasn't the, the fucking film. Hero. The film. Fuck Barbara. The the thing that people always talk about is the opening scene where Barbara and her brother Johnny are going right. to visit the gravesite. But Barbara was the white girl falling in the woods. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Back up. So <laughs> the point was. You know, the pivotal scene is when the brother Johnny tells Barbara, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Mm-hmm. And they're you know, coming for you. Barbara. Right, exactly. And so they're the whole thing is, it's, it's like that set the tone for the whole thing. But what I noticed in the film, watching it again, there, like if you, there was a, there was, as the car was driving through this to get to the cemetery, right. there was a sign that was shot up okay. by bullets. You know, there were bullet holes on a sign. Okay. Okay. Which was a big, Thing back in the sixties. Back in the sixties, and uh, and apparently in the South at Emmett Till's uh, memorial <laughs> site. That's what I was about you to know, say. It still is. It all comes back still because is. we've now created a. They they had to create a. Speaking of Emmett Till, rest in peace. Um, they had to create a, a special monument for him that's bulletproof yeah. because people used to shoot it. Of course, all the time. I noticed in the frame in this film where they had shot up one of the signs, one of the speeding signs. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? But That's one thing that, South, that, right? that stood up, because this movie was shot in Pittsburgh, by the way. It wasn't, it wasn't it, in the South. It but wasn't in the South. Was it supposed to take place in the South? No, it was just in a rural area. Okay. So, the, But the whole point was it speaks to America. It speaks to you America, You know what I mean? Sure. In that whole middle America way of thinking. And and what what struck me was you had all this trauma and happening with the, the people in the house, right? Yes. There was and, a lot of that. And there was a lot happening in the house. But if you really look at how the the people armed themselves and they were battling, they were trying to battle, they, they became a militia yes. outside of the house. Yes. That's the thing that struck me watching it this time. Before I used to watch it, it's just a horror movie. Right. But for me this time, looking at it in a different lens, Right of the Trump era, it really looked like they were the militia. And the fact that all these things, like they were out there to kill the zombies. And this this black man was in this house, and he was the only person thinking and keeping these people alive. With some sense, yeah. Right, he, 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 he... he had all the strategy in the world because these he, he was folks, the hero from the jump. Yeah. These folks would have died instantly, instantly if it wasn't for him thinking. Message. But, but then you also had, you also had that <laughs> white America. man that was afraid of him. There was a whole sequence of it where they were, where the white man was trying to get the gun away from him. Right. He didn't he bury him. That was the one that buried his family. Well, they were in the cellar. They put his family. He put his family in the cellar. They were in the cellar. But the whole thing, them. he yeah. was afraid of everything, and yeah, they were already was. in the cellar. And when all the stuff was happening upstairs with 
the black man and, and the woman, they were trying to fight off the zombies. He was down there hiding in the cellar, right, not even trying to help them. And no. another couple, young couple that was there, of course. he wasn't trying to help them. It mm-hmm. wasn't until the young couple decided to come up, let's come up and see what we can do. Right. And and so this this movie speaks a lot about that. And I was just like, it speaks a lot about in a America. very subtle way. Yeah, and I think that, you know, George Romero and... Uh, but can I say George, John Russo was the, also the co-writer of this piece. George Romero has always his all these uh, Night of the Walking Dead films have always had a, a bit of a political statement always. about the state of America. Because what is it? Uh, Day of the Dead is the one. In Dawn the of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is Dawn the one of in the mall, mm-hmm. and that had a whole political commentary yeah. about consumerism and right. capitalism and right. So I think mindlessness. It's, it's interesting that in in Romero's film, this film set the tone for. The zombie film, right? Mm-hmm. And first of all, the the term zombie was a Afro Brazilian term. Yes, of course. It, it wasn't. They used to call white people referred to the dead as ghouls, right? But it was Africans, right. who referred to the dead as, as zombies. zombies. Yeah. So him using well, that terminology, right? Well, that was part of Afro Afro uh, Afro religion. In right. terms of like voodooism right. exactly. and things like that, but he he tapped into that where that right. wasn't being explored before, right? And and well, so he was open. He he was, and he was he was he was trying to tell something else. And the fact, and he talked about because they asked him several times why he chose a black lead actor, and he said, "Well, this he was guy, zero. this guy did the best. He had the best read. He was the best performer. He right. he gave the best story." And I looked back through to um, Dwayne Jones, who was the the, the guy's name. He, he starred in a couple of other movies. He was in another film during the 70s, 1973, called um, Genja and Hess. It was, a, it was a horror movie where he was, um, he was a professor and he was bitten by one of his, his assistants. Okay. And he became a, a vampire. And it was a very intellectual kind of vampire film mm. for the 70s. But because it came out during the black exploitation right. period, it kind of got lost mm. in the conversation. And then he pops up again in um, 1984 in Beat the movie Street. Beat Street. Yeah. So, um, he was the teacher. Right, he was the teacher. And so I think it's interesting because he always feared that he would always be typecast and remembered for his role in Night of the Living Dead, but he always wanted to make other films. And so I think that it's, it's interesting that, you know, you you see this kind of, this arc in in the zombie lyric. Because look, we wouldn't have Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead and all these other things. 28 Days Later. All, 28 Days Later, a great film. All of those. You know, we wouldn't have all this if it wasn't for George Romero was doing it. And you know the that- Godfather of the Dead. It's so crazy. <laughs> And the budget of this film, it was a, a micro budget. Basically, yeah, it was it was a hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, because it was right? independent. That's all they, they that's all they spent on it. One hundred fourteen thousand dollars. It has made twelve million dollars domestically. It made eighteen million dollars internationally. And in nineteen ninety nine, right. it has been it's been inducted into the Library of Congress. So say, now it's going to sit there. It's, it's going to be part one of those the Library films. of Congress. Yeah, it's part of the history. It's, it's always going to be a part part of the history. It's going it to live on forever. It does, because it, just the, the filmmaking style. And what I also appreciated about it was you got information from the yes. media sources. Think about it. You had the, the news reports. Right, the Either it reports. was playing on the radio initially. Then you started seeing the TV clips where the reporters were yeah, telling the story. In the, in the house, right? Right, when they were watching the TV and you heard the reports right. and you saw the clips of the reporters going to different places. That's how you got the reveal of what was going on. We still never know, just like in today's 
zombie lore. You still never really know never what really happens, know. and I, and I think they're just going to continue That's that because for yeah. this for this story, it was always about this Venus probe that NASA had to had to blow yeah, up. Yeah, it's either some space odyssey yeah, or they thought some it was sort something of biochemical. About that. Right. Nonsense. They thought it was something about that, but you never really get the answer to what it was that yeah. caused it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I really like how George Romero always had a little bit of uh, political uh, political jest. Not even political jest. Uh, that's not the word. He had a little political throw at you subtly, you know, Mm-hmm. Without you even knowing, it's some psychological like mind flip on you. Right, like, you didn't realize it was happening, but you it was really in the guise of this horror film. But he was speaking a lot about oh, yeah. what was and happening. You know, as a, as a black man living in America, the first time I saw it, I was so excited to see this man. Right, he was a hero. He you was kind of Obama esque doing what he had to do. <laughs> Obama, he was, he Obama was. might have might have modeled himself after this right. guy. <laughs> you know, I, I just remember thinking, "Oh my God, this is amazing! He's gonna make it! He's gonna make it! It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great!" Yeah, and boom. Yeah, and, and that also sad. spoke to, rock, rock. and that also speaks to America. And how they didn't ask any questions; they just started shooting. And what happens today? Right. And also. In what I was just saying about the horror noir, the complex life that we have within the horror genre. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's just, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, this film was made. I think I, I like the legacy that it's left behind. And I think that, you know, when you're watching movies, sure, you think, especially horror movies, people think it's mindless entertainment. It's no. just, you know, some thrill or some Not shock always. value. But there's always something to be Well, they're learned. always sort of speaking about something. Think yeah. about, like, the Hammer films in terms of sexuality oh my God, and I women. Love the Hammer films. And, like, feminism and stuff like that. Think right. about, um, think about like, a film called Teeth, which I highly oh recommend, so which great. expands upon the, the, the theme of <laughs> and the um, vagina dentata, yes. the theory of that. And think about how that exists and what that means. So, I mean, I think, yes, films are great. Uh, horror films are great. And they're, just like me, I'm a great horror fan. And it's a great way to safely scare yourself. But also, they're saying things that are important. Right. But yeah. listen, didn't Kevin have a film? Oh, yes, Kevin. A bit? Let's please talk oh. about your film, too. Please. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> full disclosure, I... I I'm I'm not averse to horror films. I think there are a lot of people out there who are averse to them. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I'm also it's not my my chosen genre. Um, and when I think about horror films, like there's obviously the classics and the slasher flicks and everything. Right. Um, but I actually picked this this film that I really loved. Uh, came out in 2006 called Leslie Vernon. Um, so the full title is Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Right. Mm-hmm. And I picked it because I think it does something really sort of interesting with the genre um i love a piece of meta media mm-hmm. um media that's conscious of itself and what it's doing right and the story essentially is that a grad student who is a journalism grad student is following this guy by the name of leslie who is looking to be the next big slasher killer so it's set in a world where Freddy Krueger and Jason and right. all those guys are real, but they're not necessarily like, you know, sort of metaphysical, meta- whatever creatures. They're right. actual just guys who kill right. a bunch of people. And so she um, is been making this documentary about him and his process of getting everything set up. And, and through that, he talks a lot about 
the tropes of horror and the virgin and the hero and, you know, how all of that works and how he is literally selecting his victims. They go to the site. It's sort of like a cabin in the woods sort of thing where there's a house where a bunch of high school students go to. And he's literally walking her through. This is how I, you know, I nailed down the window so people couldn't get out. I cut the tree branches so that if you try to crawl out a window, it's going to break. I purposely, you know, destroyed the tools so that they can't come at me. And she even talks. He's putting on like this this Vaseline kind of stuff to make it harder um, for people to be able to hit him. It can it makes it so it doesn't bleed as much. It's like this entire oh, wow. process of looking at it from the perspective of one of these, you know, monster killers in a horror film. Right. And then, spoiler alert, it's not that old, but spoiler alert, um, it has a significant change about two-thirds of the way through where it ceases being a documentary and the filmmaker in the film, the grad student, suddenly realizes that she can't just sit here and let this guy kill a bunch of people in this house. And so she steps in to try to actually stop it, and then she actually becomes part of his entire story of the slasher flick and it sort of changes its tone right. and becomes like a traditional slasher. So does film. it essentially become a little bit found footage? It's no, no, no it doesn't. No. That's that's the amazing thing. So like right. leading up to that point, it's not found footage because right. um it's it's but you are you're sort of seeing the documentary be made right. and up to that point the only perspective you're given is what is shown through the documentary camera. Gotcha. So she has two cameramen. And so everything you're seeing is shot through there. Once they stop filming the documentary, when it makes that change is when it takes that more omnipresent perspective and you okay. actually see sort of, and that's like the first time you see the two cameramen clearly. Okay. Uh, Cause it just takes that total shift of perspective out of it. Right. Um, and then the style of cinematography completely changes. The color palette changes. Everything changes right. once it becomes like that straightforward and like sort of narrative. Oh, um, but yeah, it's really just, and it's all indie actors. It's a, it's an independent film. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Well, I'm seeing it. Yeah. Right. You've seen it. No, I, I was looking it up and I'm, I'm going to watch it. We'll watch it together. Yeah. Tomorrow. We should watch it. Cause I, when, when you were talking about it, as we were talking this week, I, I want, I was like, Oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Prime. And I think it speaks to like, cause right now we're going through this resurgence of all these crime podcasts. Yeah. Right, and how everybody's right. listening to this because people are in love with a serial killer. Oh yeah, and, and oh, trying yeah. to process what that means. And there's a fast. There's always been a fascination, yeah. but I think that it's even more now because it becomes a visceral experience because we're listening to the stories mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to watching them. Right. And I think that it becomes even more dominant and, and a little more tangible for people in a yeah. way. Right. And and it's just that fascination. I think that this kind of le- that spoke. Specifically to what's happening right now, yeah. And I, um, and you know, I think that all of these horror films, there's some element of reality in in oh, every absolutely. Piece of it. You yeah. know, the fears that people have that the people that it plays on to, yeah. and I think that it, it, it this is a right time, and it, I feel like this is a time for more. This movies is a time for more. Like I mean, that. I feel like George uh, uh, and Peele's us uh, was a little disappointing, but. Get Out was amazing, and I think what he's doing, I'm hoping in his third film will, I mean, because all his stuff is social commentated, yeah, yeah, there's uh, a lot horror. Of about but that. I, I don't even need, I don't even think he needs to say that his horror is going to be socially, a, a, a commentate, commentary on anything. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. 
I don't think he needs to say it's going to be a commentary on real life because that is what horror is. It's yeah. essentially it's essentially placing you in the realms of your realistic real life situations that you could see yourself in and then boom, finding you in it, right? Well, and it, it has a <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-huh. For it to work it has to prey upon your fears. An actual fear. Your actual yeah, fears. Sure. So it's it's that it's um um, paranormal activity. It's uh, what was the one in the woods? Ooh, Blair Witch. Blair, Blair Witch. Witch. Mm-hmm. Who who hasn't camped? Well, I don't camp, but <laughs> y'all white people love to camp. And wow. so, I black mean, some camp too, black people camp now. You know, they like, do. It's they, true. They did before, but now they do it and they be noting it. But <laughs> so wow. now we can notice that black people camp. We it. do everything. All right, blacks are magical, but. Anyway, I say all that to say that was also a bit of a fear for people as well. Yeah. I mean, go back into a psycho taking a shower. You know, Hitchcock yeah. made showers unsafe. Going to the beach was unsafe by Spielberg for Jaws, you know, yeah. and on and on and on. Uh, you know, my, my other choice, one of my other choices, because I, I had a few choices for this for this episode, because I was also going to think about doing Repulsion. Oh, huh? uh, yeah. Roman Belansky, yeah. which right. was my inspiration for Safe Space, Tawana. Oh, wow. And, and that woman's descent into madness, because it all took place basically in her apartment. Right. And she was pretty much by herself most of the time. Yeah. But it, it's just one of those things where real life in so many ways can be so much more frightening. All right. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, because when you say things like that, because then I think of like the things that I, the films that I wanted to look at, which I miss, Metrograph here in New York City had a screening of Miss 45. And I totally missed it. So mad at myself. Well, hopefully I'll come back. But anyway, I think of films like Miss 45. I think of films like Cat People. Oh, um, yeah. I Spit on Your Grave. These are films I saw the as a Hummer kid. The was mine. I don't know why the hell they let me watch this shit as a child. But <laughs> this is, this is, <laughs> my parents were unaware of what was happening. Um, these are films I saw as a kid that were like, wow, mind blowing. So, I, I mean, I think we should continue this every year, and next year we'll come back with some doozies. Oh, for sure. And then also educate people who are not, who are interested in film, but are not aware of what gems lie beneath. Yeah, for sure. There's, a, there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot. Like there's so this. many. Just keep digging, people. All right? Absolutely. I know we don't have like blockbusters anymore but you know that was the place where you could dig for stuff anonymously and not know what you were picking up right, and just find video. these gems yeah and then go from there and i know you gotta go through several different sites but fuck it make it happen geek out for a day pretend <laughs> it's snowed in do it tomorrow's gonna rain in new york so yeah I'm, I'm gonna be binge watching the do of that things. i'm gonna be binge watching some stuff too so anyway and, and add a couple into your queue so that the algorithm oh, actually yes. picks well, up on the fact well, that you might be interested yes. in you might things. be interested in older like right yeah yes yeah. older horror films and from the you know, 70s yeah. from the 80s, it earlier 90s. i'm a big hammer movie fan so I, I i i'm always looking for those right so they they all exist but i think no matter what, um, we've given you some good options here today. Three very good options. They're all available on social media. Um, social media. They're all available streaming. Yes. I got mine on Netflix. You got I yours. I watched mine on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, because it's in the public domain. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you got yours on uh, um, Amazon and iTunes. Amazon and iTunes. Amazon so, Prime free. Right. So if you got an Amazon Prime, go ahead. You can get it for free. So these are very available options. So dig in, people. But for now... Sadly, we have to say goodbye. We have to say goodbye. I feel like, you know, this is... It's not um, the end of the world. It's, it's not the end, end of the episode. It's like, um, <laughs> I was to say goodbye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
to all my Negro friends. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, those two. Yeah, don't exclude um, us. No, no, no. Everybody all else. You. All of you. This is just because I'm a cracker. This is. Oh, no, no, I would no, never. Not, no, you're not. <laughs> No, not you though. You are not. <laughs> you are not. You are not. Now I was thinking very like uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Like let's say goodbye to all our friends. Put on our cardigan now and our shirts. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> that pumpkin spice is kicked in on Tawana's beer, by the way. Well, I had nothing to eat, so you know okay. this is what happens. But <laughs> we're glad you you tuned in today, and so happy that you stayed for this. Absolutely. So, <laughs> We hope you have a great Halloween. Absolutely. Also, if you like this episode, please be sure to like, share, and follow us on all our social media platforms. That is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, where we host, and on Spotify, yes, where we are currently. Absolutely. Um, please feel free to hit us up and send us a message. Tell us what you like, what you want us to review, what you don't like. I mean, hey, we're open. Yes, um, we are. Use the hashtag, hashtag BBM podcast. Once again, that's BBM podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Next episode, episode 54, we're doing Black Power Harriet. Harriet All Day. Harriet All Day by Cassie Lemons, one of my yes. absolute favorite filmmakers in the world. She's a heroine of mine, a hero. Okay. And Dr. Sleep, Dr. continue Sleep. with the horror sequel to The Shining. Thank you so much for joining. This is Beer Bourbon. And a movie. And a movie.